sent me to open eyes to turn men from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned but he that is spiritual judgeth all things yet he himself is judged of no man in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. The testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. You came behind in no gift. You had all the gifts of the Spirit. You were waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I could not write unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, thank you for being here with us in the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. It is a joy to hear from you as you write and let us know how the ministry of the Unchanging Word is drawing you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for praying for us in this ministry of the Word of God to this generation. And just a reminder that you can contact us on our website, unchangingword.life unchangingword.life Well, Dr. Mitchell shares further instruction on the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the believer, but we find out that there are different types of believers within the church. And in this lesson, Dr. Mitchell will point out the characteristics of the carnal Christian. As Dr. Mitchell continues this series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, once again, Let's turn in our Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Thank you. Good day, friends. It is our joy again to come to you and talk to you about the Savior and the wonderful provision he has made for men and women. You know, it's a real blessing for me. I don't know about you folk, but I'm really blessed in my own soul when I talk to you here about our Savior and about the marvelous provision whereby men and women can not only be saved, but to know something of the person and character of God, to know something of his purpose and his will, to know something of the intimacy of his fellowship. This is what we want for you folk, to fall in love with the Savior. And you know, I've been really encouraged of late by some of your letters that have come to me, stating the fact that you have come into the knowledge of truth, or you have fallen in love with the Savior, or you've come to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and of how the Lord has become more and more real to you, this thrills my heart. 
And I just trust that these brief messages on the ministry of the Spirit of God may also become a source of wonderful blessing to your own hearts individually. The Lord just really wants to reveal himself to you personally. Now, he's not going to send an angel to do this. He's already done this in the Word of God. And the Spirit of God will take the Word and open up your eyes to the glories and the beauties of Christ. Oh, that we might just fall in love with him. And the more I see in the Word of God, as the Spirit of God reveals the Savior to us in our relationship to him, I tell you, it's, it's most wonderful. And the trouble is, shall I put it this way? Most Christians know so little about it. I hope I'm wrong in this, but I find so many Christians who know so, so little in their own hearts as well as in their minds about the glories and the beauties of Christ. That's why I'm spending time on this question of, of the two different kinds of Christians, the carnal Christian and the spiritual man. The carnal man is the one who neglects the word of God, and the spiritual man is the one who feeds on it. Now, allow me to repeat, these are two planes of life. The carnal Christian is living on a low plane. Once in a while he gets a real experience, but the pattern of his life, he's occupied with things down here. His whole life is, his whole life is just simply filled with things and things. Things he feels, things he has, things he sees. Spiritual man, the pattern of his life is to walk with God in the light of his word, because you can't walk with God apart from his word. Other times he may fail, that's true. And God has made provision for that restoration to fellowship. But the pattern of his life is on that high plane of walking with God. I want to give you some some characteristics of a carnal Christian. Do you remember I said a while ago in the study of Corinthians that these Corinthians had knowledge, they were enriched in all utterance and knowledge, they came behind in no gift, they were waiting for the coming of the Lord, but they were carnal. They were neglecting the precious word of God. Now will you notice, allow me to give you these things briefly, these are some of the marks of a carnal Christian. Now, again, I say, let me be clear on the matter. They're Christians. They have put their trust in the Savior. They're not lost because of some of the things I'm going to say. But they rob themselves of the presence of God, the joy of his presence, the fellowship of his presence, the experience of his power, because their lives are on a different plane. First of all, they live in self-will. That is, they want their own way. Their whole life is lived outside of the will of God. You see, it's either your will or God's will. And when most of my life is occupied with my self-will, with what I want and way I want it, my friend, it's a miserable experience anyhow. But why in the world do you want to stay there? But the will of God is not prominent. You see, every one of us either walk in our own will or his will. And if the pattern of my life is that I'm walking in what I want to do, then I'm going to be a carnal Christian. Self-will. 
instead of walking in his will. The second thing I want to say about a carnal Christian is he walks in the desires of the flesh. That is, the flesh dominates. Now, it might be religious flesh. Don't misunderstand me when I talk about flesh dominating. It doesn't mean that you go out and sin. No, no. You're just walking in the desires of the flesh. It could be good flesh, moral flesh, religious flesh. You can attend church four and five times a week and be very active and still be a carnal Christian. You can be a preacher and preach and still be a carnal Christian. What I'm after is, what is the consuming passion of your life? Are you living in the desires of the flesh? Is it a fleshly thing? Or is it spiritual? You know, the Apostle Paul in second chapter of 1 Thessalonians, in giving to us a New Testament estimate of a real evangelist, a New Testament evangelist, one, two of the things he says was he didn't come with flattery. He didn't come with covetousness. He didn't come with any tricks or stunts. He came with an open heart. He didn't come to serve men or to glorify men or try to uh, draw men to himself. And he called God to be his witness that he ministered for the glory of God. Now, a person can do all these things. He can be a preacher, minister, be carnal. Do it because of self-glory. And do it because of what you get out of it instead of the glory of God. Now you say you're judging somebody's motives. No, I, I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm just saying the possibility of a person even being in the gospel ministry and being carnal. That's true, my friend, whether you believe it or not. The third thing I want to talk to you about, the carnal believer, is he walks like a baby. He walks as babes. That's what Paul says here in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. I, I would like to talk to you as those who are spiritual, but I've got to talk to you as unto those who are carnal, even as unto babes. Now, I said a while ago that babyhood is wonderful in babies. Like, for example... In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, you may grow thereby. You know, you can sit down to a bountiful table, but have no appetite for it. You pick up your baby and put him on a high chair. On your table, you've got chicken or roast or steaks or something. You've got a, a large, sumptuous feast prepared. But you give the baby the milk bottle. You don't give it a piece of steak. It has no teeth to chew in the first place. It's a baby that needs milk. And if you go to a table with a wonderful dinner prepared and you've got no desire to eat it, you've got no appetite for it, very little capacity for spiritual truths, just babies, just babies. I say again, babyhood is wonderful in babies. And every young Christian ought to desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. But when a person's been 20, 30, 40, 50 years on the way 
and yet doesn't know very, very much about a life in God. They've never grown. They're babies. They're carnal. See. The next thing Paul says about them is they're full of divisions. Verse 3. For whereas there's among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? That is, they're divided over personalities. For example, Peter, in the same book, Paul says, somebody says, well, I'm after Peter. I like Peter. And other Christians said, no, I like Apollos. And some said, no, I like Paul. They're following human leaders. Hence, you've got envy, and you've got strife, and you've got jealousy. And the love of men takes precedence over love for God. What a common easy thing it is for God's people to be wrapped up in a man instead of Christ. Your pastor may be the most wonderful person in the world, and thank God for that, but don't wrap your heart around him. Your heart should be wrapped around the Lord, and the more you're occupied with the Lord, the greater blessing you will be in your church. But when you bite and devour one another, said Paul, take heed lest you be consumed one of another. Very easy to start fighting among yourselves. Testimony is gone. The church is split. I think one of the greatest tragedies among God's people is when a church will be split because of personalities, because of one man or another man, whatever it may be. Oh, God grant we will not follow human leaders, except as they be our pastors and our leaders, our teachers, and there we see Christ through them. As Paul said, to love the elders for their work's sake. So you have this fourth thing about a carnal Christian. He walks in divisions. The fifth thing is they walk as men. That is, their objectives of life, their affections are just like the unsaved. You know, a lot of Christians like that, you can hardly tell them apart from the world. wonder why. They're carnal, they walk as men, they walk just like the unsaved. This is a tragedy when Christians live and you can't see any difference between them and the unsaved. Wherever you live, my friend, wherever you are, you ought to be in that place where your family and you and your district are manifesting something of the wonders of Christ. The sixth thing about them, they walk in religious zeal. You know, we depend upon religious organizations instead of upon God, upon his word. Like the, the Jews in Romans chapter 10, the second verse, which says, they going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God. They were zealous for God, but they were outside of Christ. A person can walk in religious zeal. Let's get going. Let's do something. Yet they know nothing about waiting upon God. They know nothing about the will of God, the purpose of God. But we've got to be doing something. We've got to make a show of this thing. 
Get busy. Oh, my friend, that's been one of our problems. When a person accepts the Savior, we say, get busy. Now, I believe that a child of God, the moment they're saved, ought to be ready to have a testimony for Christ. That's true. But to put a young Christian to work where he's not fitted or equipped to do it, instead of helping him, you hurt him in his own life and testimony. I could give you abundant evidence concerning this. I've seen people who had great prospects and they were put to the front. And where are they today? I think of some a few years ago who were great men in the world, very popular, accepted the Savior, were transformed, and immediately you put them in places where they should never have been. And the result was they were feeding on an experience, and in a few months they were slipped back to where they were before. And you begin to wonder what really happened. Well, what happened was, my friend, you brought a baby into the world but didn't feed him. You didn't care for him. You didn't mother him. You didn't make a disciple of him. You pushed him to the front because of his worldly experience and the transformation taking place. You pushed him to the front and the result was what? People say, oh, the wonderful, yes, but what about the man? What about the man? Pushed to one side, no longer got a desire to witness, no longer in the things of Christ. We brought a baby to the birth and then dumped him. Oh, listen, there are so many Christians who walk in religious zeal without knowledge. These are carnal Christians. The seventh thing is, they walk, they feed on experiences. And sometimes they're very proud of their spiritual, so-called spiritual experience. They boast about their humility and spirituality. They claim they've gotten more than you have. That's nothing else but marks of carnality. That's not spiritual. When a person is spiritual, my friend, Christ is the center, not some experience. Thank God for every experience. But our experiences ought to be just the open door to exalt Christ. And it's so easy. Oh, let me tell you, it's so easy when a person's had a real wonderful experience with the Lord to stay there and forget the one who gave you the experience. It's like a baby occupied with a toy and forgets the giver of the toy. Oh, God grant we're not going to act like babies and play with the toys when we can have wonderful fellowship with the eternal, sovereign, living God. Can I give you the next one? You know, when a, by the way, when a person is humble, they don't boast about it. I'm going to say what has been said so often. People say, Lord, keep me humble. And whoever knew you were humble in the first place. The carnal believer serves the local organization instead of God. Now, I'm strong for the local church. I believe God's order today is a local church. You can find all kinds of fault with a local church. This is God's order today. God works through his people with all their frailty. 
all their weaknesses, but to make the local church the center of your heart's affection instead of God. That manifests carnality. Carnality. You serve. Why do you serve? For self-glory? For a position? To hear the portraits of people? Or do you serve because you love him? You see the difference? Outwardly, you might not see any difference in two people both serving the same local church, both having a wonderful time, and one can be spiritual and one carnal. Why? Because you're getting right down to motives. You're getting right down to motives. Just one more thing. The ninth thing about a carnal Christian, there's no exaltation of Christ. He lives a divided life. Christ indwells him, but the old man is on the throne. It's a life of despair. It's a life of ignorance, a life of discouragement. And it's due because of ignorance of the word of God and because they're not yielded to God. Now, I've just very briefly gone over some of these evidences, marks of a carnal Christian. And I don't have to look very far to see it. And oh, how we do need. And I'm talking to Mitchell as well as I'm talking to you. How easy it is. Oh, how I know it. How easy it is to be sidetracked. How easy it is to have on the outside a real, uh, a real apparent zeal for God. And yet, the whole thing wrapped around yourself instead of him. The carnal man does not make Christ preeminent. And this is evident by the things that he does, his attitudes, things he says, the way he lives. May God grant that you and I will not be carnal Christians, but spiritual men and women. And you know, it's a wonderful thing that it's God's desire that you and I should be spiritual. In fact, if we are not living spiritual lives, we're not living normal Christian lives. For the normal Christian life, as far as God is concerned, is where Christ is preeminent. And the will of God is the passion of your heart to be found obedient to him, submissive to his will, and obedient to his word. And may God grant that if you are uh, living as a carnal Christian, you just get your eyes on the Lord, that the Lord will forgive you, confess it to him, and then go on and live for God today. Live a day at a time in the presence of God. And I'm sure he'll fill you with all joy and peace. Sometimes when my faith would falter And no sunlight I can see I just lift mine eyes to Jesus And I whisper, pilot me
for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.